0: You're listening to The Cumberland Road, and I'm your host, T.J. Melinoski. The following is a faith journey with Gina Wood, a member of the Union Cumberland Presbyterian Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. There, she teaches Sunday school and co-leads a Wednesday night study with her father, Reverend Leonard Turner. Gina is a candidate for ministry in the Presbytery of East Tennessee and a student in the program of Alternate Studies. In our conversation, Gina opens up about being a preacher's kid, rebellion, divorce, free will, forgiveness, fasting and praying, revival, growing and helping people, and sharing grace, because we are a beautiful and messy creation in need of grace. Enjoy this faith journey with Gina Wood. Gina, I thought we would start our conversation about living the life as a minister's daughter. What is that like? What was that like as a child and what is that like today
1: well today it's awesome as a child it was difficult and i um i've never known any other thing and i can remember being little and telling my mom and dad i would never marry a preacher <laughs> <laughs> and i you know looking back i don't even think i knew why i was saying that Mm-hmm. Um, but it was hard, you know, my dad is an evangelist, um, I tell mom and dad now that they're CP royalty, and because um, I feel like they are, they, you know, they've been at the same church for 50 years, and um, but, it, but it's been hard, it's been hard, and, you know, we've had splits in the church, and things like that, so for me, my sister wasn't, like this, but I I was rebellious against that whole situation, which, you know, made me rebellious, I guess, against the Lord, but I didn't see it that way because I've always known that God loves me, Mm. and I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior when I was seven years old, so I was very young, Mm. but I never didn't know the Lord like for example when i started kindergarten i had a jewish school teacher and a kindergarten teacher and i'm sure i came to church to school talking about jesus because that's all i knew and she did not like me at all i had to redo kindergarten who has to redo kindergarten <laughs> I, didn't. I, had, I had to go in the summer and and do kindergarten and then i guess probably starting in middle school, people would make fun of me or not want to talk to and say stuff in front of me and go, Oh, she's a preacher's kid, mm-hmm. which is so weird. I, I That's just weird to me, I guess, because I've always been one. I was like, well, what does that mean? What does that even mean? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, So I think it made me more rebellious, but also, um because of the faith of my parents because I've always been in church, I've always turned back to the Lord you know at the end of the day but but it was hard for me and like my daughters, they're grandchildren of a preacher and they think it's awesome <laughs> you know I'm like well, you just don't know because church came first and when you're a preacher, so, So if you're just a regular person that is not a preacher, you know, it's God, family, work. Mm -hmm. Well, when God and work are the same, how do you, that's a hard thing to separate. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And so, yeah, that it's, it's been, it, it was a challenge for me. So when God called me into the ministry, I was like, I don't know about this. This is, the, I and I said this to a minister. I said, I don't feel worthy to do this. And he said, well, if you did feel worthy, I'd worry about you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But um I haven't said much to you and I don't talk much about this, but you know, I've been, I'm divorced twice, neither of which that I wanted. Um, I don't believe in it but there it is, you know, you can't control other humans. And, um, so my daughters, one's for my first husband and one's for my second husband. And I have now at 54, well, it's been several years now, have decided that I enjoy, um, just being with myself
2: Hmm.
1: and, you know, and I always have the Lord. And, um, so, I don't date, it puts a lot less stress in my life, just to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: in ways, your life is more simple that way, I guess.
1: It is, and, it, and uh, I don't want anybody to think, oh, she doesn't believe in marriage. I do, mm-hmm. and um I think God puts people together, and I've seen plenty of people in wonderful marriages. Um, but for me, it, it is not worked out that way, and so in my journey with the Lord, this is where I want to be, and um, you know, people are like, well, you're alone. Well, I can tell you this, that you can be more alone and live in the same house with somebody than being in the house by yourself,
2: hmm.
1: and <clears throat> I think that's something that I talk to people about because some people think they can't be alone, but they're in a situation with a person that is horrible to them. And I don't understand because it's better to be. And also, if you love Jesus, you're never alone.
0: Yeah, there's something about just because you share a roof, share children and share a history, doesn't mean that you're in a deep, committed relationship. Yes. There's more than just those things.
1: And, you know, and if both of you don't work hard, it, it, it is a two-way thing. You both have to work really hard. And um, so I guess something that's interesting, I will tell you that people come to me and they're like, I'm getting divorced because I guess they think I'm going to be like, oh, that's awesome. And I was like, why? W- what? What's going on? Can you work this out? Because you know something that I've realized later on in life, like my parents, they've been married 58 years, and they share so much history mm-hmm. besides just our family. I love to sit them down sometimes and get them to talk about the good old days, um, you know, about people that have been at the church and in the different churches they've been to and all that. And I think that is awesome. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but I think because I wasn't living my life the way that I should, that I ended up in the situations I did. And I'm going to say this, I don't regret it because I wouldn't have my beautiful girls.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think that, God has a path he wants you to take but he gives us free will and God will still work in your life, even if you make wrong choices. And, um, but I also tell people when you make wrong choices, there are consequences, you know?
0: And it's when we make mistakes It's when we make wrong choices because we do it all the time.
1: Yes. Yes, we do. We can't, we just can't help
2: ourselves.
0: No, (laughs) sometimes, sometimes we don't know. Sometimes it is like not knowing a clear path or a clear choice or a clear decision. And it's when you begin to embark on, it It's like, oh no, I'm not able to back out of this, you know, or, or, um, it's easier to press through knowing that misery is ahead, which may be the consequences that you're talking about. And I'm speaking so broad. I'm not talking about like relationships. I'm just talking about life in general.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, as I've gotten older, I've realized TJ that. A lot of times now I see a situation that I cannot figure out how to fix it I can't figure out a way out of it and I turn it over to God I'm like I say God you have to do this because I don't know what to do I can't Mm -hmm. I can't figure this out and you know he he does he works it out Mm -hmm. and I just and then I'm like wow I can't believe (laughs) (laughs) I I think Christians are so funny about that you know we pray about something they're like oh I can't believe God worked this out for me (laughs) yeah well that's
0: that's what he does. So and sometimes I don't recognize it until years later or in some yeah. retrospect and, and reflect back. And I'm like, and things are more clearly than they were in the moment yes. And where you can kind of pinpoint and go, okay, this relationship, certainly, you know, <laughs> God was present in it or in the circumstance, you know, it was, uh, the wisdom of other people, or you know, it just skirted this, you know, horrible situation. That if I had done it this way, or if I waited, or if I slowed down, I mean, you just never know. But it's in retrospect, I'm like, I have no other words but describe it in such a way that God was present in that time and in that moment, even when I didn't recognize it, yeah. even if I couldn't name it.
1: That's awesome. And I also encourage people to be careful about what they say to people when they're in a in a hard moment because um I think Christians can really hurt other Christians and Again, because of my faith, because I've been in the church so long, because I've seen how church people are. Um, <laughs> when I was in my 20s and I was going through my first divorce, I had a lady from church ask, say she wanted to take me to lunch. I was like, okay. So I go to lunch with her and she sits across the table from me and she says, God wants you to stay married to your husband. And I said, well, God needs to tell him that. <laughs> I don't have any control over him, but I've heard so many people leave church over something like that, you know, because they really feel defeated. Mm. And, you know, I later found out that her daughter and son were put in the hospital by her son-in-law and she was still telling her to stay married to him. Mm. And so I always tell people to be real careful when people are hurting, when they're in a bad situation, regardless of if they put themselves there or whatever the case may be. Mm. That you are not judgmental towards them and you just try to love them through that time and space because they're not in a headspace to be able to listen to you tell them things. Mm. Um but being the daughter of a preacher, people love to tell you how to live your life. <laughs> I mean, it's like they get great pleasure out of it. And, you know, over the years, people have told my dad stuff about me that they should not have told, that dad shouldn't have had to have known. But mm. I think sometimes they find pleasure in that. I can't really I can't really wrap my brain around that, and so I'll say this, TJ. I'm so thankful to have parents that have loved me no matter what I've done, and I've always told my girls that I'll love them no matter what they do. If they murder somebody, and they're in prison. I'll come and visit them there because God loves us that way, you know, and um, so our family, all of us, all of our families disappoint us at some point. And um I mean, I mean, well, you know. I'm
0: thinking I'm laughing because it should be understood, you know, that we will disappoint a spouse, um, a child, a parent, an aunt, an uncle, a sibling. And how do we work through that? You know, it's almost like you have the conversation many maybe multiple times going, okay, when, when I disappoint you, (laughs) how do you, how do you see us working through this? Are you going to
1: be able to forgive me? (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, well, you're not seeking forgiveness like ahead of time, or you're not seeking like permission. It's like, but we will, we will disappoint, man. We're going to, we will miss the mark. We will miss expectations and might not even be aware of it. So when we do these things, a lot
1: of times it's not on purpose. Uh -uh. Mostly it's not, but, um, that, and, you know, in relationships and, you know, especially in marriages, I always tell people, I can't tell you how to make one stick together, but I can tell you what not to do. (laughs) And one of the things that I tell people is don't find out your hot buttons, your, your spouse's hot buttons, and don't push those. Mm. And, and you don't have to be with someone very long to know, like, you know, I, if I say this, they are going to lose their ever living mind. <laughs> but we seem to, you know, you get mad. So you, you're going to, you're just going to say whatever. But I mean, that's true in all relationships, mm. it, it, but it's, You know, it's just difficult when you get angry than you do. I always tell people the scripture that says, be angry and sin not. I've not figured that out yet.
0: (laughs) Gina, I wanted to pick your brain a bit. Um, We have some similarities in growing up. We grew up in two different churches. Uh, The churches were about the same size during this time frame. And both went through uh, splits and even multiple splits. And yet here we are fast forward many years and you're preparing for ministry and I'm in ministry and all signs pointed, I'm kind of leading you in this question. I don't mean to, but you would think when you see people not at their best in the church, it really is a time of almost propulsion. Like why do I want to be a part of a group who claims that they love each other and yet say and, and do, or at least this is what I witnessed, um, things that they probably wouldn't have said in any other time or circumstance. So looking, and again, I'm, I'm sharing more of my experience, but for you growing up in, in a church, a large congregation, and watching it split, And you have even a more unique experience because it affected your family directly. Um, what in the world are you doing in ministry?
1: I know I'm not real smart. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you the last, the last split, I was an adult. Mm. Um, We had our last split and, um, it was hard for me and some people in that split did some really, some things that hurt me really bad, like really bad, me personally and affected my life personally. And um, so it put me in a position about forgiveness and, you know, as ministers, we talk about that all the time, forgiveness. It's a big deal. And I would pray to forgive these people and I would ask God to take it away from me. But if I ever saw them out, I would get that like knot in my stomach and feel, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I just wanted to go pinch their heads off. And that's not, that's not Christ-like at all. So one day um, I was at an event with my youngest daughter. She was in probably in elementary school and they were there, and I said, "Lord, please, please help me." And I went over and shook their hands, hugged their necks, and finally, um, God released that from me. And so, you know, it is a lesson in forgiveness, is is all I can say. And I know, you know, the church is is a hospital for people that are spiritually hurting and um so i've had to learn not to take things personal but it's still hard Mm. And, and there's always something going on and honestly tj for me right now being an adult with my parents at church i cannot take anybody saying anything about them like i'm i'm done And, you know, years ago, I probably would have left things unsaid, but I I will say something to somebody now. Don't, don't talk about my dad that way. Don't talk about my mom that way. We're not going to do this. And yeah, it may make some people mad, but I don't do it in anger, but I'm not. And, um, I will say this about dad. He has never, he doesn't, He's non-confrontational normally, Um, and when things have happened in the church, he's just let it go, Hmm. and I mean, you kind of have to be that way, right, as a minister, Um, but, you know, in recent years, I'm like, now, Dad, we're going to have a discussion with the elders or whatever. We're going to talk about this. We're going to get this out and open, and then whatever happens from there, we've said what needs to be said. Um, but yeah, I don't know that I'll ever be, um, a minister at a church for like to have a church myself. Um, Bud Russell, do you know him? Dr. Mm -hmm. Bud Russell. I had him for, um, I had him this summer and he talked to me about being an interim pastor. Just,
0: yeah. Just to clarify. Um, you're in class, you're taking courses to prepare for ministry. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Go Um, ahead.
1: Yeah. I'm just just talking to you and you already kind of know, so I apologize. Um, but we were talking about church things. Um, I want you to know that the classes this summer, the people I was with, a lot of them are ministers and I've never been around ministers except for mostly my dad, (laughs) Okay, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm already laughing. Say, I don't know ministers. You're not alone, <laughs> but I felt that way, right? Mm-hmm. Because I didn't know. Now, now, Dad, several years ago, maybe I don't know ten, started a group of ministers that they meet on Wednesday mornings and different denominations, and it has been so healing for him. Mm-hmm. And they all, it's great for all of them. So this summer I got to be around all these ministers and one of them was like, I'm worried to death. I said, what are you talking about? He said, what's going on at church while I'm gone? I said, really? Dad gets sick every year when we go on vacation. Mm-hmm. And he I was telling him that and he goes, oh, he, he doesn't want to talk about it. I said, he doesn't know why he's sick. <laughs> he's, he's sick because he's worried about something happening at church. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, "Yeah, it's awful, um, because he was actually there all three weeks, and i and and so when I got to be around these other men and women that are in the ministry, then I understood that, oh, this is this goes on everywhere. It's just like what you're saying. You went through it in a different church, same thing it's same thing. It's different places, but people are similar. and um, so. I got to be in there and and I and I talked about some things that had gone on in the church because nobody there knows anybody, you know, that we're dealing with. And Bud told me, he said, have you thought about doing um what did I tell you? Interim. Interim pastor. I was like, No, what's that? And um for anybody that doesn't know, that's su- pastoring in a church for a year that's gone through attrition, that's lost a pastor or whatever, and need some time to heal before they hire their pastor. Right. Am I telling that right? Yeah. TJ? Yeah. So I thought, Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I can just go and love on everybody. <laughs> <laughs> they can hire somebody that they want there forever. And, um, that sounded great to me, mm-hmm. and so that's probably the that's probably the road I'm going to take as far as that concerned. But also, I'm going to be the chaplain at my dealership.
0: Oh yeah, okay. So let's talk about that. We were talking on or off mic about your work. So mm-hmm. let's ease into what your vocation is um, from day to day.
1: So I am the assistant to the owner of a Ford and Lincoln dealership. And um, he is actually the second owner. Um, my first, the first guy I worked for, he opened the store. It's Ted Russell. If any of you live in my area, Ted Russell Ford Lincoln, we would love for you to buy car from us.
0: <laughs> you throw in a pitch and in, in with your faith journey. <laughs>
1: Well, and you know, um, and I've told you, TJ. My my boss is a Christian. He's a fine Christian man, and I asked him when I got back from school from um, the pause program this summer if he would allow me to be the chaplain. I said, "This is going to help me with one of my classes," Mm -hmm. and he was all about it. And so um, when I told our elders, they asked me um, how many dealerships have a chaplain. And I said, none, (laughs) but I don't know that. But I had a guy tell me he worked in another dealership and they had a group that came in. Mm. Um, Because if any of you have never worked in a car dealership, I mean, it's great material for preaching for sure. (laughs) And one of the first or second times I preached my boss listened to the sermon he said you talked about the dealership well (laughs) it's good it's good material (laughs) um because you know sometimes i tell mom and dad stuff that's going on there and they're like no that's not happening i'm like yeah yeah it is um but i got ordained to get do weddings not in the cp church but um it's an online thing that they accept in the state of Tennessee, and I told the committee on the ministry so nobody come yelling at me about it. <laughs> my dad was like, "You can't do that," and I was like, "Why not?" I said, "I'm not going to do it in the church. It's just, um, you know, so I could marry people. I could do funerals because I work with a lot of people who don't go to church
2: mm. a lot." Mm.
1: And you know, I've already had somebody come to my office and ask me to pray with them about their mom having surgery. And um, so I feel good about that. Mm-hmm. I think it's um I think it's gonna be good. I, I don't know. I don't know where that's gonna lead. And um I don't know what God has in store for me, TJ. I'm just uh I'm just along for the ride.
0: Well, well. And you're experimenting because you initiated the chaplain position, yes, which didn't exist, no, a few months ago. How long have you been doing this?
1: um about not even a month? Oh, okay, so we're new oh. Oh. well, I was it it just came to me one day, and I know that's the lord but and then I was like i I mean I had to talk to my boss about it, and um, I wasn't sure how he would take it, but he was mm. like, yeah, that'll be great. <laughs> so, so here I am. So I already, I, I've, I've always thought about putting out that little, you know, uh, Charlie Brown, the peanuts,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you
1: know, Lucy's little psychiatry five cents.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: She has, yeah. I've always thought it, because even though I haven't been the chaplain, people come to me anyway mm. um, to talk about stuff in I believe that's just the Lord Hmm. because they know there's something different and they can talk to me about stuff and whatever. So I'm hoping that something good comes out of it.
0: Well, it sounds like it already has, but yeah, I hope you grow into this position (laughs) that you have created within, (laughs) within the uh, Ford and Lincoln dealership. Yeah, it's
1: pretty cool. One of my elders was like, that's awesome. (laughs) I said, yeah, I mean, you know, um, everybody, I mean, I think all places of business should have a (laughs) chaplain, you know, but car dealerships more than any, than others. Um, But it's, it's good. And, and I'm happy about it. And I do, I wanted to talk to you about um, what's going on, at our church. Okay. So um, you know, all the churches I think are struggling since COVID. We're probably down twenty five to thirty percent, maybe,
2: hmm.
1: which means money is not as big as it was and all those things. Well, um, the Lord has laid on my heart. And you know, um, for anybody that's not studied any CP history, our church came out of the first great revival in this country. And we, as a church, um, because they did this in the first great revival on the third Sunday of every month, they prayed for revival. They fasted and prayed. We are starting that next month. We are praying for revival in Knoxville in the state of Tennessee and for this country. And it's a big deal. And people are excited about it. I'm excited about it because we can't worry about money. We can't worry about numbers. We have to worry about people coming to know Jesus. And I think this country is hurting right now. And there's not been a revival since the late 60s, early 70s here. So we're due. You know how... (laughs) (laughs) you know how your sports team like um I know last year when Tennessee and Alabama played I was like well I mean Tennessee's due it's time it's time it's time for them to win this ball game and but that's where we are in this country I think we are due for revival Hmm. and um you know it, it it broke out in Auburn I think last week I don't know if you saw anything about that but on the campus of Auburn, a huge revival broke out. And um, the post I saw said, I've seen Auburn beat Kentucky in football, in basketball. I've seen Auburn beat Alabama in football. But this beats it all, people coming to Jesus. And um, so I, I'm i excited about that. And that is where I see the Cumberland Presbyterian Church going. I am And so anyone that listens to this, that listens to you, I beg you, I urge you to pray for revival in this country, because I think that that's the only thing that'll turn everything around. There's so much anger and hate.
0: Gina, talk more in detail of what those prayer services look like.
1: Well, we're going to, you know, we're going to do regular church. We're going to stay after on Sundays, and I've told people everyone can't fast. Mm. Um, that's not an option. Um, but this week was actually our kickoff, and we sang "Revive Us Again" at the beginning of the service, mm. and people were excited. And we also, um, I teach class on Wednesday night with Dad, and we're studying Acts. And I love Acts because it talks so much about the early Christians and the things that they were doing. And they were meeting together all the time, and people loved them because they were doing the right thing, Mm -hmm. right? They were loving each other. They were loving Jesus. They were loving other people. And so on Wednesday night, we did revive us again. And um, one of the guys in my class, uh, he's trying to help this girl. She's addicted to drugs. And he had put her in a place, and she called him and said there were more drugs in there than there were when she was not in the facility. And he was in tears. He said, I need help. I need help. A guy sitting behind him who, it was his first Wednesday night there. He goes, My sister works at a facility and I can get her in. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, this is so fantastic because that's what that's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Helping each other, loving each other, growing together in the Lord. And so I'm really excited, TJ, because I know that God can do great things.
0: I can tell you're excited just by how our conversation is going, and and uh, I'm really enjoying listening to you. Um, part of it is what you have to say and what you're saying. The other part is your accent, because so I could just listen to you. <laughs>
1: yeah, I don't. Um, I've always been a different bird. Uh, I. I you know, I grew up in Farragut most people in Farragut don't have this accent. Mm. Um, but I just never cared, you know, so I never tried to correct too much of it. Uh, I try to speak proper English, but yeah, I've got this act. Nope. Nobody in my family talks like this. <laughs> no, no one, just me.
0: <laughs> okay. Gina, I have, um, I have a, a couple of questions and I'll let you run full force again. I, w- I want you to share with me, looking back over the course of your life, a moment or maybe multiple moments of when you have felt the furthest from God. We'll start there.
2: Um,
1: well, probably when I was in college and, you know, when I left, left home, Left to my own devices was probably not the best move for me.
0: Um, well, and looking back uh, upon that time, so your early twenties, uh, what what did that feel like? How would you articulate that now? I mean, did you know it in the moment? I mean, would you even describe it in that way? You know, kind of um, walk me through.
1: I mean, I would definitely describe it that way, TJ, because I was, you know, not living like I should be, but, um, so I I guess it's kind of lonely, you know, lonely and, um, just not a clear path at all, you know? not knowing what I'm going to do, not knowing. And I, and when I was away from here, when I went to college, I went to East Tennessee first, Um, you know, and I was never going to church unless I came home or whatever. And um, I regret those things. Like I, I look back at that and think my life would have been so much better if I had, you know, tried to stay on a correct path. And so I, you know, I encourage people, even if you don't feel like it, even if you don't think you want to go to church, go to church as much as you can, you know, because um, I think a lot of people, and I know, you know, as a ministry, you can't do this, but they get up on Sunday morning, and they're like, uh, I don't really want to go to church today. You know, there's something on television, or I've got these plans. But I mean, you know, it, it doesn't take that much time, and I don't talk to anybody that feels worse when church than better. And it's funny that you're asking me that, because I can remember in those days um, going to lunch on Sunday in my little grubby clothes, like maybe what I slept in or, you know, just whatever, and seeing church people out at lunch and feeling ashamed. hmm and thinking they were judging me, which they probably didn't care. I don't know. (laughs) You know, I was judging myself because I needed to, I wasn't doing what I thought. I wasn't doing what I needed to do. And, um, and so it's interesting that you asked me that because I was thinking about, uh, because sometimes now when I go to lunch, we go to lunch on every Sunday. I don't know if you do that, but which some people think is wrong because they're having to work on Sunday. You know, we're we're contributing, to <laughs> but um, um, somebody told me that uh, Chick Fil A's not Christian anymore. I don't know if that's true or not, but I said, "Well, then they need to open on Sunday at <laughs> <laughs> <Go to>
2: lunch." <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, um, well Gina, but,
0: <laughs> Gina, if <clears throat> if you could face the younger Gina, um, and and kind of talk to her, if. Time travel existed, and maybe it does, I just don't know that it does. Yeah. But um what what was the younger Gina missing? What was it? You know, you felt the furthest apart from God in your early 20s, but what was, was it that you were running
1: I was running from him and not toward him. Hmm. And um I think people can only do one or two things—run f- from him or to him. Uh,
0: and you've done both.
1: Yeah, I have, and I—I I don't. I'm not proud of it. Um, you know, the problem is TJ. I could have told the old, oh, the young Gina whatever I wanted to. She wouldn't have listened.
0: <laughs> only a, only a parent. Could say that phrase.
1: <laughs> I mean, you know, I was young, I was stubborn, I was rebellious. Mm-hmm. I, I, I wasn't. Um, I mean, because trust me, mom and dad had plenty of conversations with me. Yeah. Um,
0: there's something to be said.
1: Things, you know.
0: There's something to be said for the receptivity, of being open. Yes. You know, there. I think that there are moments in our lives where we are more receptive to hearing good news, sometimes bad news, but in this case, hearing good news of forgiveness and grace. And yeah, there are times that we we don't want to hear those things.
2: No, and
1: you know it's usually when you're not doing the right things, when you don't want to hear what you need to hear.
0: Yeah, because to talk about grace means that it's needed.
2: Yes. You know,
0: ideally you would like to think grace is not necessary. I'm, I'm in a good place. I'm doing well. I'm treating people right. And to hear that you're in a need of grace, God's grace. Yeah. I think you have to be in a certain headspace to be able to really hear that.
1: And it's, I mean, his, his grace is so amazing. And I, I do love that song, his His love and his grace. And, um, you know, and I'm so thankful for it. Um, but I do think that because of, the way that I I did that I know how much I need his grace.
0: All right. Well, let's, let's shift over to, uh, a time when you have felt closest to God.
1: Um, it would be now in these times and, you know, I, um, I'd wanted to tell you in, in 2018 um, I, I teach Sunday school. Uh, it's funny they call us the young adults, they're all about my age. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: all about I've perspective.
1: A, I've got a young couple in there in their 20s, and um, a couple other people in their 20s. But I, the name of my class is Endeavor to Persevere, all
0: right. and
1: it's from the outlaw Josie Wells. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but
0: oh, yeah, oh, yeah, um,
1: but. You know, that that's our goal, endeavor to persevere. And so we were talking about what we were going to do. And I had said, well, I thought about us reading through the Bible. Now, by in 2018, I had never, I, I, I've always read and studied the Bible. I had never read through the Bible, though, like cover to cover. I'd never done that. And the class was like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Read through the Bible, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to teach through the Bible in a year, right? And I said, well, do y'all want to do it chronologically? Do you want to just go book to book? And one of the ladies in my class was like, let's do it chronologically. I said, okay. So I ta- start teaching through the Bible. I just finished this year. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to teach on. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> well, well, I was actually going to ask you that. What's next?
1: Exactly. But... um we we had COVID as well. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I probably won't be writing a book, though, on Sunday school teaching through the Bible in a year because, you know, it's a lot, and I'm the only one that read through the Bible
2: mm-hmm. in a year.
1: <laughs> but since then, I've read through the Bible every year, um, and I wanted to – so that first year, I was reading through the Bible, and I was in Jeremiah, and I want to say to people – that think that they can't do that. They don't have the time. I read through the Bible in my car. I I, I listen to it. Um, I've talked to you about the you version of the Bible. Cause I want you to do a translation.
0: Mm. Oh yeah, that's right. You did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, that's right. I forgot. I, you have
1: a great voice. Um. But I, so you did, you can, you can find time. Mm. It is something you can find time to do. And it's interesting to me because every year I'm like, oh I don't I don't remember that, even though I've you know read through it, and I read through it in a different translation every year. And so something else that I like to tell people is to find a translation that you can read and understand. Mm-hmm. Um, I know some people don't agree with that, but to me it's very important because if you can't understand what you're reading, there's just no point. No, you're
0: going to get frustrated.
1: Yeah, and just be like, I don't know what any of this means. So anyway, that first year I was reading, in Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 3 and 4, it says, But I will gather together the remnant of my flock from the countries where I have driven them. I will bring them back to their own sheepfold, and they will be fruitful and increase in number. Then I will appoint responsible shepherds who will care for them, and they will never be afraid again. Not a single one will be lost or missing. I, the Lord have spoken. And that is where my calling came from. Um, a shepherd. And and as I'm sitting here reading this to you, I'm thinking about the dealership and the little sheep that are there. And, uh, <laughs> you know.
0: All right. So hold on. Let's pause here for a moment. So kind of give some background. If you have some co-workers or friends, listen, the endearing term of sheep, because sheep also has a negative connotation. So give context of okay. what you mean in well, fairness.
1: That's true. But the sheep, we're we're all God's sheep and he's the good shepherd. The great mm. Jesus is a great shepherd. Um, and he wants us to be in his in his fold, his sheepfold. And I know sheep has negative connotations. And also I know people get mad because the Lord calls us sheep because we're we're dumb. (laughs) (laughs) I I hate to tell people, but, um, you know, um, he calls us that for, (laughs) (laughs) but I don't, I don't mind that he calls me that. And, um, I'm thankful that he wants us in his Mm fold. So, but if I can be a shepherd for him, so I know a lot of people think that's weird that I use that term shepherd, but it's the word that God gave me. And I, so I don't know what that means. That's why I'm saying that, you know, at the dealership, yeah, I can be a little shepherd and you know, that's, gathering people in and trying to keep them safe and all of those things, loving on them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's how Jesus does us, thankfully. And so, yeah, I just, but then I didn't want to tell anybody when that came on my heart.
0: Mm.
1: And then I had all these stipulations.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Let's hear it. Yeah,
1: I'm not going, I'm not going to school unless it's, unless you know, if I have to pay anything, I'm not going to school. I'm telling Dad all this after I told him about the call. am well, Gina worked. I was like, no, no, we're not doing it. And it worked out. I didn't school. I didn't have to pay for school. Um, and that was not the denomination. I just got that worked out because uh, I'm a single mom. Blah blah. blah. So I went to Bethel. I got to finish at Bethel. Um. So yeah, it's funny how we tell God what we're going to do, but you know,
0: what were the other stipulations?
1: (laughs) Um, Well, that was my major one. I, one thing was about the church because I think people thought, and it, it could just be me, TJ, but I thought people thought that I was wanting to take over dad's position. And that was not, that was never in my mind.
0: Yeah, okay, just to clarify, I'll, I'll see if I, you can correct me as I go along. So your your dad, Leonard Turner, we haven't even said his name yet. I don't know how long we've been talking. So <laughs> Reverend Leonard Turner is your dad, and he's been serving the Union Cumberland Presbyterian Church for over 50 years. Yes. And there will be a time in the future where he it doesn't want to, retires, or is unable to. And so there's probably been discussion as you are responding and exploring a call to ministry. It has dots have been connected that Gina may be the next minister at the Union yeah. Cumberland Presbyterian Church. Now, that is a natural thought.
1: I, yeah, it is. But I, that, I mean, I don't see that ever happening, but it was never my intent. Yeah. And,
0: and yeah, so, what you're saying. Yeah. I, let me finish. Yeah. So Gina's calling and expiration in the ministry is not an agenda to usurp, replace <laughs> uh, her father in ministry.
1: Yes. Okay. And I And I told my girls that God would have to talk to me like he did Moses.
0: And tell me
2: what I was supposed to do.
0: Here you go with the stipulations again. How are those working out for you, Gina?
2: Not so great.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and um, my oldest daughter said to me, How dare you tell God how he's going to talk to you? <laughs> I said, Well, that's true. So that kind of goes back to what we were saying about growing up in this in a church and everything. Like I, you know, I don't see myself doing that now. Absolutely, God may have another plan, and if He does, that's okay. Um, but again, that was never my intention. Mm-hmm.
0: So, well, in um, the easy part, I mean, the, you have an easy response now for us as Cumberland Presbyterians. Um, education and preparation for ministry is important currently you're a student so your focus would be uh, a student
1: exactly and i did when i first started this journey which was undergraduate school um bethel online i did bethel online um if anyone's wanting to finish college that's a great program (laughs) here
0: here you go again
1: dr butler's paying me
0: (laughs) So. Uh, Bethel University out in McKenzie, Tennessee. Yes. So um, and I, so I, I, went I really there. like how you're getting these little pitches in, <laughs> They're like little mini commercials.
2: <laughs>
1: I've been in a business that advertises for too long, I guess. Um, <laughs> but the, but um, when I first started, I had a church, a local church here, and I preached there. I preached my first sermon there and um they were in need of a minister, and they had wanted me to fill in. Now, younger me probably would have tried to do that and work full-time and go to school and do all of that, but I just told them that there's just no way. I cannot, you know, and um, I said, I'll fill in for you when when you need me on occasion, but I can't, and I think you know, it's hard for a lot of people because they are preachers that are trying to do all the things. So that helps being older, I guess. I've learned to say no.
0: I think, well, hopefully, I, I, should. <laughs> I think, but I'm going to lean more towards hope is that as we get older, we tend to learn what our gifts and our boundaries are, our capabilities are,
2: yeah. mm-hmm.
1: you know,
0: where we don't stretch ourselves too thin.
1: Thank God. I, mean, I probably did stretch myself too thin since I had a stroke the day after your class.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, let's talk about that for a minute. So at the beginning of 2023, yeah. I was teaching a course and Gina was in the class and participated, attended, and uh, was sent on her merry way. And then a day or so later, I hear that you had a stroke. Yeah. So I'll let you pick up from there.
1: So, well, in that, your class on evangelism is fantastic. Um, I encourage people to take that class if they have an opportunity because it's really good. Um, but that was January 30th was the last day of class, January 31st. I was at work and, um, I think my daughter, as somebody FaceTimed me, well, I had, we have two dealerships and I was at one and going back to the other. And I stopped at a place to pick up some stuff. And I was walking around in this store and started running into, um, shelves, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: like stumbling around, like I was drunk. And I got back to work and I was like, I don't, I don't feel right. I was talking funny the whole nine yards. And one of my daughters called me on FaceTime or my sister, Tabitha did. And she was like, what's wrong with you? I said, I don't know. I don't feel right. She was like, you having a stroke? I said, no, I'm not having a stroke. Well, I was having a stroke. I, so she she and my two girls all got together and decided that I had to go to the hospital and so, um, Tabitha came and picked me up from work and I was still saying, just take me home. Mm-hmm. I just need to go to bed. And if I had done that, I probably wouldn't be sitting here today. So anyway, I went to the hospital and I was in CCU for like four days. Um, and I had a lot of people praying for me. I, you know, I think it's a miracle. Um, uh, you know, nobody else can see me, but you can, my face isn't drooping. My speech isn't slurred. I walk fine. You know what? I've lost my taste. Mm. But of all the things that's just like a blip on the screen.
0: So you can't taste anything.
1: I can taste chocolate. That's awesome. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But no, not much. And, um, you know, that's disappointing at times, but again, I, you know, I think it's important for us as Christians to look to try to look for the good, to try to look for the positive, to try to look for the things that are not bringing us down, because there's plenty of stuff in the world to bring us down. Mm -hmm. And so for me, yeah, it stinks. I don't have my taste, but also it's such a blessing that that's all that there is.
0: Isn't it amazing? that I don't even have to get out of the chair to go anywhere to find bad news. If, if I so choose, I really don't have to move. No, you know, I, I can hold it in my hand in the form of a phone or, or, you know, with a remote and that sort of thing. But that's only one side of it because the other side is I don't have to move to be able to share good news. Yes. And, and also to hear good news. So I think we carry with us every human being, those choices of being able to go, what kind of bringer am I to the world? Am I a bringer, a carrier of good news or bad news? And That's- I, I just, I'm just thinking about that. And I don't think it's a question for me to answer just once and then I'm done. I actually have to do it with almost every interaction at times. Yes. Human interaction with another human being.
1: Yeah, for sure. And um, like, I don't, and I know some people don't agree with this. I don't watch the news. I don't listen to the news. I, I just, I stay out of it. And um, I want to encourage people that, that really bother that the news bothers, that it gets them really upset when they start looking at things that are going on in the country, around the world, in their city, whatever. They need to stop looking mm-hmm. at it. It's not helping anything. And and it and it and and for them it's detrimental. Um and you're exactly right because our mouth in James, it talks about that our tongue, nobody can tame it. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I have to multiple times a day ask the Lord to forgive me for something coming out of my mouth. It's usually not in front of people, like riding in my car. It's a big <laughs> joke at the church that I have um, anger management issues when I'm driving. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, um that's good. It's in the privacy of my car and the Lord can work on me in those moments. But I think that, you know, when you're a Christian, you want to look for ways to be positive in other people's lives because they get negative all day, you know, you know, whether it's coworkers or family or the news or whatever. And, and so To me, it's a really good way to be a witness when we can be the positive in their life, when we can say something nice to them, when we can have a smile on our face.
0: Gina, what does faith sharing look like for you? What does it sound like?
1: Well, it's kind of just what I talked about. It's um, listening to people. Um, it's looking for opportunities to, you know, share more with them. It's praying with people. Um, I have a lady that I work with that, um, I guess while I was gone to, um, pause this summer, her husband told her he wanted a divorce and she was just devastated and um someone told me oh she's she's been crying blah blah I'm like well she's upset but I, I didn't know any of that I went up she 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 works in our office and I went up there and I was like hey how are you doing and and she could she was downtrodden um I don't know there's a prophet that the king asked him why he was downtrodden or whatever she I was like what's going on with you are you not feeling well because she has some health issues and she said my husband asked me for a divorce and she starts crying. Mm. And so I stood there and I listened to her for a minute. And I said, can I pray with you? And she said, yes. Mm. And so we prayed and, um, and I hugged her neck. And, and so a couple of days later, I went up there and she was different. She was happy. I was like, Hey, what's going on? She goes. I'm doing so good. I'm listening to my Bible and I'm listening to Christian music and like a total change. And it was just she needed a little bit of encouragement, you know. And she and she needed to know that God loved her, and I think that helped her get over that hump. And so for me, it's looking for those opportunities. Where I can share Jesus in a small way. Am I gonna stand out on a corner and preach? No, absolutely not. I'm not doing that.
0: I don't know. I can see you doing that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I'm not gonna beat people over the head with the Bible. I'm not gonna do it. I don't find that to be useful. Now, I mean, you know, and, and people laugh at me and work, they'll be talking about something else say they need Jesus. <laughs> And they think it's funny. I'm like, I'm not kidding. That's what's wrong with them. <laughs> but, you know, if they're all mean or something. But I think that all Christians can share Jesus in that way mm-hmm. by caring about people, by listening to people, by praying with people. And I know that's hard. A lot of people are like, I can't do that. Well, if it's just you and another person, you can. You can do it. It takes practice. Um, I've learned a lot of that from my dad. He does it with everybody. Dad does it to the point that it drives my mom nuts because when I go to the doctor's office, he prays with the doctors, he prays with the nurses, he prays with. And, you know, people remember that about him.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It, it's a big deal to him because the fact is, most people, even if they don't know God, even if they don't believe in Jesus Christ as their personal savior, they want somebody to pray for them, you know? So that's. That's how I'm trying to share. That's how I'm trying to share Jesus in a, in a secular world, because that's where I work. And I know a lot of ministers are blessed not to have to do that because it is difficult because you just see things you can't unsee. But I want to, I want people to know that, you know, he's there and he loves them and he's calling them. So that's, um, I, it's hard for me because I grew up in a time of seven, the spiritual laws, the four spiritual laws and, and all those things. So, you know, when I was little, the, there was still revival going on in this country, but it was, it looked different than I think it's going to look now.
0: Gina, what ideas, what hopes do you have for the Cumberland Presbyterian Church? Where do you want to see it in the future?
1: I want to see it busting at the seams because I believe that we are going to have great revival and I'm excited about it. And I love this denomination. And, um, anybody that knows me, I have this saying that dad told me a long time ago, fee, fo, Fum, I never met a Cumberland. I didn't love some.
0: <laughs> I've never heard that before. You haven't. <laughs> no, it's, it's,
1: it's it's old school. Dad's always said it to me, but it's so true everywhere that I go and meet Cumberlands. I'm like, Oh, they're so fantastic. And so, you know, um, anybody on here that's Cumberland, I love you guys because y'all are just the best. And, and so for our denomination, our church, one thing I can say is we have churches that love people and that is so important right now. And so I think when they can go into a church and people love them and care about them, that is a big, big deal. And, um, I just hope our church continues to do that. And we, you know, we we've always been good with missions, but, um, like right now at our church, we have a couple, um, They're actually Cumberland's, which is so unusual, but they have a neighbor and he's disabled. Um, Something happened to him when he's younger and he has nothing. They bring him, they try to bring him food when they can. So since we found out about him, we've started um, sending a bunch of food home on Wednesday night when we have our service or whatever. But to me, the Cumberland church, that's what we're about, helping people. And I'm looking forward to us continuing to do that and grow in that way. And just, you know, because that to me is what this country needs is they just need to see that love. And that's what I think acts. That's what it's all about. The early Christians, we need to get back to that, to just helping people being there for them. And um, that really excites me because I see so many hurting people and they just need to be loved and they need, and they need Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, the Bible talks about not, you can't, if somebody's hungry, if somebody's cold, if what are those things you have to take care of physical needs, you know, you can't just, if somebody's hungry and you go in and say, you need Jesus, well, I don't, they don't really care. They want to know, can I have a sandwich? Mm. And, um, but I think Cumberland Presbyterians are good at that. And I think that we can make a difference in this country. I really do. And and that is my prayer and my hope. And, and again, I just know, I've just... Met so many CPs that I think want to do that. They want to help people.
0: Gina, I guess you're just gonna to have to push your way through and start leading the group with your enthusiasm and excitement. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know I'm so boring. I'm sorry.
0: No, 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 no. And your <laughs> "tell it as it is" attitude. I think and just
1: you know, it's so important to me that people know God loves them, but I love them. And that, you know, as Christians, we want to do what we can to help you wherever you are, Mm -hmm. wherever you are. And that's how Jesus did it. Right. Mm -hmm. Didn't he? He just, he loved people where they were. They were messy just like we are, Mm -hmm. but he loved them. And I, you know, I want to obviously try to be more like him.
0: Yeah. And we were talking off mic of admitting and being honest that our lives aren't perfect. Yes. As as Christians, as human beings, as ministers, as Cumberland Presbyterians.
1: Yes. We're we're a messy, messy group. Yeah. (laughs) But that's okay. That's okay. So, we know that God gives us grace, so we have to show grace to other people, and and that's important. And I think sometimes that's hard, especially for ministers. Um, it's easier for me, probably because I've been in the secular business for so long um, that I see the messiness that is most of. The, because you know, people put on a good face at church.
0: Yeah. But but why hide that I'm broken, that I'm incomplete?
1: I think they think that they're supposed to be perfect there, and you know, that's just not reality.
0: It would be a lie to to live otherwise or to hide because yes. it's not true. Right for me, for me. I mean, maybe you're perfect, but <laughs> but. But it's just, I'm not saying that I'm telling, I'm not saying that people have to bear.
1: No, that's exactly, you know, I think it would be, I think it's important that more ministers show their imperfections than their perfections. And, you know, um, um, at dad's 50th celebration, uh, Mike preached, and um, he came from the Baptist, he came from Baptist denomination, he heard dad on the radio in the late 80s, maybe early 90s, he used to do a thing called Moments of Spiritual Refreshment on, it was, it's an AM station here, Joy 62, and he did it at five o'clock, and it was five minutes, and he did Proverbs every day, um, during the week. And so Mike heard him and wanted to come to hear him preach. And he said that dad taught him grace. And and I thought that was interesting. Um, Because as Christians, that is so important for us to show grace to other people. Because again, God's shown us grace because none of us are perfect, just like you said. Only Jesus. And so I encourage other Christians, you know, to show grace to people because they need it because I think some people won't come to church because they think they're too broken, Hmm. right? The ceiling's going to fall in on me. We used to have an old guy at our church. He, he's passed away, but he, would tell people, don't worry about the ceiling falling on you. It's already fallen on me. He was in the stairwell going up to the balcony one day and a ceiling tile fell off. In the of the <laughs> <head>. <laughs> uh, but I thought that was a good testimony, you know.
0: This has been a wonderful conversation. You have just taken off and I have enjoyed it. And uh, thank you so much for sharing and being authentic and blessings to you in your preparation for ministry and the, in the ministry that you're already doing there in the Ford Lincoln dealership (laughs) over in East Tennessee.
1: Yes. Thank you, TJ. And I want to thank you for doing this um, podcast and um, sharing this with people. I think it's a great ministry and I appreciate you teaching in the pause program. That's awesome. And I've enjoyed getting to know you a little better.
0: Thank you for listening to The Cumberland Road. You can find this podcast on Apple, Spotify, and Google. Off Mike, one of Gina's daughters, who is younger and more wiser than me, shared that Cumberland Road needs more reviews by listeners like you. So, if you like Cumberland Road, give it a review on whatever platform you listen on. And now I leave you with Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. I, therefore, prisoner in the Lord, beg you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all.